Welcome back to another episode of Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm here with Joey. Hey. Mike. Hello. Tom. Hi, Russ. What episode is this? As you heard from the ceremonious introduction, it's our hundredth <laughs> episode, everybody. It was great because uh, it is. It's our hundredth episode, and uh, it's kind of a big achievement, I think, in the idea that we've have had. We haven't run out of things to talk about yet. <laughs> At least we don't think we've had. <laughs> That's right. Around. Listeners, let us know what you think. Call in now. <laughs> Uh, tell us what you think. <laughs> the phone lines are wide open still. Wide open. Yeah, I think with this 100th episode, I w- it kind of made me feel a little kind of reflective, nostalgic, or kind of thinking back of like all the things we have talked about. And I think it's something to kind of go back to. We talked about, we've talked about reflecting professionally, but I think personally as well is a, is a good thing to do. Kind of like look at your own kind of history of what what is it that brought you know us together? We've told our story. What is it that's specifically one of those moments where you're like, yep, this is why, you know, early childhood's a really important thing. And, and maybe more specifically, what was it something that was kind of motorically related? Because that's why this podcast has come to be. That's why we've reached 100 episodes is because we've really valued the and the promotion and advocacy for children's needing, children's moving for learning being such a vital part of that. So kind of looking at that. Um, if anybody has one they wanted to, to jump into right away. I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about one, but it has to do with kind of a culmination of my career. Because uh, three years ago, I, I retired from the classroom. And you remind us frequently that you are no longer <laughs> working, Tom. So, so I, I think about the retirement party that we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the going. reason I think about that is... And, and it is the culmination of, 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 the, of the career. Um, we had what would con, what would be considered a, a pop-up play mm-hmm. retirement party, mm-hmm. meaning that um, the children had. We actually hired a, a group that did pop-up play, and so they trained volunteers what they were supposed to do with the children, and we collected all kinds of stuff cardboard all kinds of loose lots parts. of cute things no no cute let me tell you there was no cute there um there were tires there were all kinds of things and so the this is how the party went the the adults could the adults could mingle and talk with us individually or as a group while the kids had something to do and something to do constructively so oftentimes in these type of events there's nothing for the children to do Mm-hmm. And so what do they do? They get in trouble. <laughs> they run, around. run around and jump and stuff. They find adventure. They find adventure. And, you know, when, when we were thinking about our retirement, we were thinking what would fit with... with And, with, and just to, with, I think we should clarify that you're not using the royal we. You and the parent educator yes. were both retiring at the same time. We were both retiring at the same time. But we, we I mean, we, we were kind of on the same wavelength. So what do we do for our retirement party? It's got to have something to do with kids and kids moving and building and freeing up the parents so they can interact with each other. Because parents will interact with each other anyway in any event, Mm -hmm. and the kids actually become... There's nothing for them to do except run around. So that's my reflection. Well, I think because I was invited to be there and I was able to attend, and it was a really amazing event in itself just from the the love and the admiration of the families who were 
still in the program who you were working with, the families who'd returned. I mean, it was a really amazing turnout. But I think what was also great is that it ref it it promoted that need for uh, large motor kind of giving children the space to play. But it was also not that the parents that you were working with needed any kind of push to believe it, but like it really reinforced that this is why this play is so valuable. That it's not just oh go do mm -hmm. the thing so the grown ups can talk, but it was that it was the the what's the right word? The kind of the summation of what your career, what you and well, I think it's about, about the fact that it's just who you are as a person and as an educator that of course you would have something for the children to be actively engaged in mm -hmm. yeah and it right? was it was different than if you so I've, I've been at some events where you set up a station right. where the kids can color or right. you or set it's a, a little like a tattoo temporary tattoo bouncy house but it's that, that's because that word engagement i think is the the right. part it's not just here's a cute thing because the other thing that it highlighted what i remember is is that it, it really reinforced uh children's capabilities because yeah. it was so open-ended i mean there were there you did hire a team of staff to supervise for safety because there were like box cutters and things available for all the mm -hmm. cardboard and things like that so it wasn't no supervision but all of the all of the idea all of the ideas are being generated by children and so I mean, just for the, I, w I wasn't there for very long, but I just remember being super struck by the capabilities of the children. And you also had kids who had um, been with you maybe, you know, several years ago. So you had a wide range of ages. And so mm -hmm. the, to see elementary school age kids, uh, they were really the leaders. And then the, you know, little kids were. And they accommodated the little kids. They accommodated and, yeah. them. And, 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 the, and the range of things were like, oh, I, you know, a preschooler can't go in that one that doesn't look you know like fully safe but the preschoolers wouldn't because they all kind of had a sense of their own abilities of the babies sure. or just yeah. the, the way in which kids were really regulating themselves and really um taking all the kind of leadership i mean so to your point ross about what it reinforced for families was like holy man look how capable these kids are right um that was just really neat to see mm -hmm. so, i don't know yeah, that, neat that, is that, almost <laughs> as bad as cute so i apologize for not having a better adjective <laughs> yeah so that was my reflection <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. uh it's a big question, and it I don't is. know that I'll have the right answer. I'll go home and think of a different one. But um, I, th I think a, uh, a practice that I've sort of changed since just our conversations together that, that I'll just say for this question that you've posed, or just mm -hmm. sort of thinking back on one thing, is finding a space for, uh, I'll say, sort of full-on running in, in my classroom. Mm -hmm. um, that's been something that I think it's not one specific time that I, I mean, I, I can definitely think of the kids who use the space to play what time is it Mr. Fox which you would normally mm -hmm. think is sort of a funny game to be playing in the classroom in the midst of everything else that's happening in a classroom but that I happen to have this space by my cubbies that's easy to to make open access for running and that is such a simple such a simple thing to do that I had not probably recognized the need you know mm -hmm. and, and figured thinking out, that they could do they yeah, could run later yeah yeah, yeah. um or that oh that's just not possible in here maybe right. maybe not rec maybe not not recognizing then even not being able to figure out how to accommodate right. it right like sure. well that just can't happen in here so um, we have to say no to that which is a, which then to realize oh that's not true there is a way that we can meet that need in in this in this space um and so just that the kids could learn oh, okay well I just have to move the boots out of the way and mm -hmm. make sure that there's not things to, to fall on and and use and it's not just that one group of kids that I had but that was that's what I can think of as something that um, through our conversations I realized how I learned how to do I figured it out but also feel kind of proud to be able to offer that to kids and then it goes a little bit back for that rule thing you know there it doesn't need to be 
the rule is no running um, is is not a helpful way to think about supporting the needs of those kids. So, oh, remember, if you want to run, we run over there is is a different a different way to have a, a rule around right. a rule around safety. And so that's more just about taking care of each other, yeah. or not hurting others. You know. So it may sound like a small thing, but it's it, but I, but it, it, it reflects a shift in uh, my thinking. And mm-hmm. I remember you saying something, and I've said it over and over again, uh, how you approach that, and it was. Baby steps, mm-hmm. baby steps. It's like not full on right away, right? But you were talking about baby, and that sounds like what what was happening as as you changed your idea about mm-hmm. full on running, right? Yeah, 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 and yeah, just yeah, yeah. There definitely was just a paradigm shift in in, in my mind, um, and I've seen. I, I think maybe other teachers came to it on their own, but I've seen other teachers in my program figuring out ways to do the same thing. And when I hear, you know. I hear loud bumps into the door um, when I'm sitting out of the administration area. I, I smile because it means other people are letting the kids, right. you know, run mm-hmm. and, and they stop at the door. So they kind of crash. Um, so it's 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 uh, makes I'm, me proud. A ripple yeah. effect. Yeah. Well, I think it, and it, as you're saying, I'm, I'm thinking of the the faces of kind of from our from our presentations as a group where we've talked about bigger you know riskier play or bigger challenges and the, there are those faces that are the people who raise their hand that i could never do that right and in a sense you're kind of saying well you can right it just you, you kind of have, have to be watch for the opportunity watch out for mm-hmm. that be and be open to it mm-hmm. and be willing to take the risk yourself because you know with your thoughtfulness with your willingness to do some trial and error because it's not going to go right the first right. time and that's okay as well mm-hmm. but i think like you just what you've said is can be that people the the nugget that people can hold on to to say yeah I uh, this makes me nervous but little by little mm-hmm. baby step in my way I'll get there mm-hmm. and, I, and mm-hmm. eventually I could maybe play Mr Fox in my class right. too right well and I have colleagues in another room who uh, I know have allowed the same thing and you know what makes them comfortable is they've they've physically put tape on the floor because they think the kids need that yeah. that visual boundary whereas mm-hmm. i had a different setup and so i didn't you know so so I'm like okay well that that's how they do it and they feel comfortable because they you know right. like that's you know so it's, it's you want to support people yeah part out of the journey gonna... is like learning that yep it's easy to think oh look at this i just tried something new and it worked and then you want to like proselytize to everyone else right you should do what i just did because right. i've now learned it and right it, and oh no not so you really... need you need this to make you feel like you're ready to try right. it. okay try it that way how did that go and yeah. that kind of, anyway well that makes me think of mine so um first i'll start with i think it was last episode or the episode before i was talking about my loft where yes. you know it was it was used a lot for pretend play one of the things i didn't talk about is that the loft was the perfect height where the most of the kids could reach up mm-hmm. above their head and, and grab the top and swing. Yep. Mm. And then you can't do that, Mike. I don't know if you know. It's, you're not allowed. <laughs> of course not. There's there's the rule. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somewhere it's is, written. Yes. It, it you're not supposed written. to swing there. But just that thing of you know, at one point I can't pinpoint a time, but probably when I first got that loft, at first I was like, oh, let's not swing. You might kick someone. You know, that sort of thing of not trusting the kids to be able to one look before they swing and mm-hmm. two w- when you're walking not walking into someone swinging and of course there's a little bit of that you know the staircase nearby and those kinds of things yeah yeah but at the same time i was like oh let me just see and yeah clearly the kids could do it now what i wasn't where i drew the line because of safety was the idea of then they some kids could physically Cl- climb on the up outside. the edge but you know it was a uh, linoleum floor yes. so then it would be whereas when they're swinging they are 
you know, at most 12 inches off the ground, usually yeah. less. But there were some kids that would have to go up on the step, reach over, and then do it. So they're, you know, it was probably more like seven or eight inches off. Like, so if they fall. Right. It's not very far. Whereas if they're climbing up and trying right, to go over no the railing, yeah. that would be, yeah. Yep. Um, so it wasn't that I, it wasn't a free-for-all in any way, but the idea of just letting them swing and now knowing what I know about serotonin levels before you get your melanin levels for, or melatonin levels for sleeping, you know, resting, mm -hmm. things like that. It's just like swinging is such a good thing for mm -hmm. kids. We have so few opportunities for them to do it. Mm -hmm. And having that there, I was like, this is great. Mm -hmm. And the kids who are having the hardest time should be, the kids who are having a hard time self-regulating need to swing more and not be told right. to stop swinging, right? I think in every program, kids swing from the doorway area of the oh, yeah. loft, I would imagine. And then whether they're allowed to or not is right. the thing that probably varies. Because you look around the room, where else can you do that? Right. I mean, because that's like, oh, well, if that's not safe there, but you need to do it. Yeah, right. You're, like, you're so telling me you... you need this. Well, where else in my room right. can I offer you this experience? And I haven't done it yet, but I'm, you know, because I have teachers, I don't want them to swing there. It's like, well, then maybe we need to get like a chin-up door that we can put in the in a, well, that's in probably what's bar in a different me doorway the most or something like that. Well, that's probably what's helped me the most in this group is always talking about Think about, so what's the message they're telling me? What are they, right. they're telling me they need something. Right. Yeah. So then how am I helping them right. and, that And need? how else can they do it? Well, so there's nowhere safe, else in my room just swing from right. your arms, which mm -hmm. feels good. Right. And yeah. is great for the vestibular yeah. sense and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah, so that I think was big. The other part about the loft is that after lunch, so I was a teacher by myself with 10 kids and had to like help clean up and get nap ready and things. And it was that thing of really giving out some of the control, right? So some of the kids wanted to be a little more rough, so we brought out pillows. And we, some parent had made star-shaped pillows, so we called them the um, throwing stars. <laughs> and so the kids knew, like, oh, over here, if you want to play with the throwing stars, they're over here. And kids would go up on the loft or down below and throw back and forth at each other. Kids who wanted to draw be on the other side of the loft, they weren't, like, in the midst of that. But just that idea of getting bopped in the face with the pillow or throwing it, you know, like was just enough, like kind of the type of thing they needed. And also knowing what I know that running tends to just hype you up too much right. when you're, because then after that, we would go to reading books and then the kids would bring out their own cots. So then they're like carrying things. And, mm -hmm. and rather than me trying to keep the kids sitting down, just doing sit down activities so I can bring out all the cots, which I see teachers do all the time. And, you know, so trying to control them and keep them from being too wild so I can put out the cots. And it's like, well, three-year-olds can put out cots, you know? So why force them to all sit so I can do this work right. instead of giving them an opportunity to do it? So for me, kind of listening a little more to what the kids need and like, okay, what's something that would not throw their serotonin levels, like lower them, but rather like raise them a bit mm -hmm. and getting bopped in the face of the pillow. So the last thing mm -hmm. I'll say one of my favorite moments was doing a workshop somewhere and then getting a video of a person who made yeah. pillows. Yes. And then introduced it to her group. For pillow fighting. For pillow fighting. And I thought that was so cool to see that she took the chance. And that was the one where she saw, like, I can't do, you know, have them climbing the, you know, right. sand or, and water or, table or like Tom. wrestle with them. Or have them wrestling on the mat like Mike or um, running in the room like Joey or climbing on the wall like Ross. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is make pillow and the, I love that she made the pillows too. There was something yeah. so cool about that. Mm -hmm. She made the pillows for them to pillow fight with yeah. and then watching and, and then it working out the way that one kid started crying mm -hmm. and they stopped. But rather than saying it didn't work, she said, are you okay? And the child wanted to go right back to 
all he wanted was to get asked, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And then like, yeah, let, can we keep doing it? Yep. You know, and just because that's part of it, I think when people take that step of part of it is that when something doesn't go quite right, don't just give up, right. but sort of, okay, yeah. so why didn't that work? Right. Um, and usually checking in with the kids, finding out what the kids think or need will tell you what to do next. So for me, those are kind of all separate ones, but mm -hmm. I saw a line <laughs> <There's> that a... <laughs> connected them all. But it was like me taking steps and then seeing someone else taking yeah. steps right. and doing what I was comfortable with. But part of it was listening to the kids and then taking that next step. And mm -hmm. then once I said, oh, that I am comfortable with that too. And obviously mm -hmm. I've done other things and maybe other things that seem a little more well, risky to people. But to me, those were like the big ones because they're the ones that like, oh, I can do this with everything. Well, and there's lots of other elements of mind and body being connected that we've talked about over our, our, our years of talking. But I feeling right now is thinking about what Mike talked about several episodes ago is, is valuing the children's need for for big body play. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is one of our, I mean, we circle back there a lot because I think it is still not always valued. And so mm -hmm, I think that mm -hmm. that is one of the, sure. when, you know, when you're kind of doing a mm. warm, fuzzy hundredth episode, you know, what, yeah. what's feeling good is, is, is continually looking at, you know, is that, is that being valued and is that being welcomed and mm -hmm. is that being thought of and planned for um, that, that we talk about that, but that hopefully people who listen are, are also mm -hmm. getting a chance to, to reflect on that. I think that yeah. that's, and I appreciate also that you brought in one episode with the kid who wants, the Velcro kid, the kid who wants to always be holding you, too. It's like, they're also showing you a need. Sure. And that one's a different type of thing. But, because there are also people like, I really want them to go play with others. And it's like, so first meet their need. Yep. Don't just push them away, but like, oh, you want to sit next to me? Okay. And you talked a lot about it in that episode of how to accommodate that child, figure out what you're doing and, and include that child mm -hmm. in to meet their needs, but then that a child will eventually explore more, but only if you accept where they're at right. Mm -hmm. right. first. Well, I think it's interesting that it, with so many episodes that we've done, that to kind of remember that this podcast started from a big body rough and tumble discussion group that we that we were you know a part of and that it has now branched into so many other topics specifically kind of talking in how movement will relate to the learning aspects but sometimes it is more emotional i think it's it's that's kind of what's been great to see how this group has evolved and how our discussions have kind of gone all over but and that there we haven't run out of things to talk about because <laughs> there's so many things and that we also recognize that we can to go back to another episode uh, 84 or whatever I don't know but the, rep <laughs> the repetition leads to mastery you know, mm -hmm. like the idea that go back and revisiting the mm -hmm. conversations because as you three have kind of shared it's like that's kind of what it's been for me too is this idea of looking back at my very first day of being of you know a lead teacher with student teachers and being way overdressed and then trying to be <laughs> what I thought was going to need to be the teacher to be professional and recognizing that it's letting go of what I thought it should have been mm -hmm. and really kind of what it needs to be. So mm -hmm. looking at the individualized, you know, needs of the children and having, recognizing my own needs as a child of being that kid, again, to go back right. to my, one of the very first episodes of, I want to be the teacher that can provide these opportunities to move and now realizing, and as the tenure has grown, that necessary, intrinsically motivated movement coming from children that it's because they want to learn and how to harness that and how to have that be celebrated rather than pushed aside or saving that for outside or not right now we don't have the space mm -hmm. to, to go so that i'm thinking of again going back to like to the the concrete ledges outside the playground of my former school you can't climb up them well why not 
Mm-hmm. Right. They're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep swinging from that loft. They're going to keep climbing these ledges. They're going to go on top of the sensory table. They're going to want to throw sticks or hit with sticks. So how do we make it work rather than mm-hmm. always saying no, no, no? How do we keep saying yes and yes and yes? And so I think that idea of you know looking at those specific events or looking at ways to, and I think having play really be at a foundational mm-hmm. element of of the work that I've done, I think the work that we've all done, and I'm seeing I'm seeing a little boy in the back of the room who every day would build with the blocks. Is it he was a kid? Fortunately, no, because my okay. school didn't have these okay, this amount okay. of blocks. If they did, it would have absolutely mm-hmm. been me. But he was English was his second language, and he was still becoming comfortable speaking it. But he understood mm-hmm. his uh, receptive language. His receptive language was great. And he would build in the blocks, and he would take them all, and he would build this big structure every day, right away. And all the children said, well, those are his blocks. <laughs> so they would stop the, playing with them. The children... Yeah. They already recognized, well, those are his. And they would have to kind of ask him, like, can right, I have some? He would like, his and he would just for... point to be like, mm-hmm, you know, I kind of like direct them to what they could or what they couldn't have. Yeah, yeah. And it was this kind of aha, like, well, of course. If you don't know the language, you take the most valued item in the classroom right. and then you start to dish it out. So people have to come to you. Right. And then his relationship started to form. So it was kind of working with, you know, with the teaching team and recognizing ways to then build those friendships yeah. and to encourage language so that by the end of the year, he had a number of friends and was using English a lot more, but he could, he could create, we could have that, but also embedding his home language in to the materials there right. so children could talk to him as well. And it was just that we, they needed to be able to play big and have space and have time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's maybe a, a culmination of what we've done. We've, we've had time to really kind of grow this podcast. We've been given the space to do it, but also that we've had a kind of the trust in each other and the, and sure. the connections with one another to be able to, I think, continue to grow. Cause I don't think this has just been a, a place to wax philosophically or not even what to pull that back to go to just show how smart we all are. This has been oh, truly, God knows. I <laughs> this, show the opposite this, this really has been a place for the over the two years of recording these, but the several years before that to just continue to grow as teachers. So I think that's what's been really special about this. And so maybe that's where to kind of wrap up this mm-hmm. this centennial episode. Nice. Um, centennial. That, you know, it's, Has it been a hundred years? Yeah. It's been a hundred years of, of shared knowledge, maybe. Yeah. It's really been a special. So I want to say thank each, thank you to Joey, thank you to Mike, thank you to Tom. Thanks, Ross. Thank you, Ross. Thank you mostly to myself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but also that because uh, I do think this has been a place that I have been able to grow professionally and personally with a group that I think it's been really special. So I think it's been. I, I look forward to the next hundred years and hundred <laughs> episodes uh, of us doing this. So thanks everybody, and uh, we'll hear from you next week. Yeah, thanks, Ross. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn. <laughs>